Wow. Hey, 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 let's do this thing. I'm going to roll this week. It's kind of a big week, right? It's June 1st, 2020. You're listening to Buddy's Owner in the Arizona Schnoodle Walks, the podcast where you just kind of wing it, right? It's 75 degrees at 517 in the morning and sunrise is 518. I'm up one minute for sunrise. And Bud is ready for a walk. He didn't get one last night. This spoiled dog, he uh, usually gets a morning and evening walk. But uh, yeah, a lot of things going on. We didn't. We rented out our house again this week, which is a blessing to do that. And uh, but what that means is you got to clean it up. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> And uh, we hired a couple of gals to help, but still, my wife and I were uh, oh, we probably spent nine hours, not continuously nine hours, but nine hours getting the thing cleaned up. And uh, and it's it's you know it's it's not like dirt. I mean, I'm learning about cleaning. The lesson for me is I'll learn anything as long as someone's paying me for it. <laughs> I'm kind of cheap that way. I'm not a natural cleaner, but throw throw some money my way. And Okay, this is worth learning how to do, this cleaning thing. Part of my job was uh, there's a swimming pool involved, so there's it's about 12 years old and some of the tile around the rim. It's probably ready for resurfacing, I guess you call it. But that's uh, that's an investment that we're not in a position to do. Um, nor is another air conditioning unit. We're not in a position for that yet. But anyways, we're blessed to have some visitors. It's kind of it's a it's a, it's a hospitality thing. Uh, but it's not all, you know, but yeah, people are willing to pay for that. And I, I just didn't realize how enjoyable that is. I mean, it is fun to be hospitable, right? Have people over. And they're excited. They got kids, two families, one from Los Angeles and another one from Colorado. It's kind of like a halfway point. I think the people from Colorado drove further. But they arrived, and uh, family get together, hot Arizona. Apparently, they know it already. They know hot Arizona. At least some of them do. And they will experience it firsthand. (laughs) Wow. And there was a fire. I guess the Colorado people came down a route 17 that had some brush fires. It's delayed them. But when you're cleaning the house, man, you get too busy to pay attention to the news. So there's a lesson learned for you. A lot of you are probably busy. I'm in. I'm a guy that's like in my head. I mean, I, I I'm like the Areopagus in Athens. I, I can sit around and do nothing all day but listen to the newest and latest ideas. 
which is fun for me. I mean, intellectually stimulating my brain. And, uh, but, uh, it's probably not for everybody. And, and it's probably better to be balanced. I'm learning to get, I got, when I have to clean the house for nine hours and fix stuff up, that's, to me, that's balance. I mean, some people do that 50 hours a week. They're like a handyman and they go fix stuff. But I, it's good to do at least probably 10 hours a week of that stuff. I'm just making up a number. Some weeks, I probably months, I probably do nothing, right? But it's that fixing stuff where, you know, it's a little different perspective. I, uh, because the tile, basically what you have to do is, and I, I, I wasn't able to set it up perfectly because we had people in there before, but I really should have drank, got the water level down about an inch so that the water level was lower so that the mortar set could set better. And so it's a good chance that some of these tiles might come down again. But hey, I know how to fix them now, so I'm getting good at it. And, uh, whew, it's early. But I'm in the pool for about an hour or so, preparing the tiles. I'm getting that ready. And, uh, so I got a pretty hefty sunburn on my back. And sunburns are always interesting, right? You can, if you're in the water, you don't feel it when it's happening. But you do later after it's done. So I got a, my back's a little sore right now. Sunburn sore. But honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm ready to go back to bed. <laughs> I just got up. I'm ready to go back to bed already. But we'll get butt out it this time because it's going to be hot later. So that's what we're doing. So I did listen to, uh, you know, yesterday was Pentecost Sunday, German Pfingsten. I got my book launch. I chose this week because of Pentecost. And my book's about the Holy Spirit. And many Christian denominations, churches, pastors. I, I don't know. I just I just sense that they don't know how to talk about it. Some do. Some some get into it. But like the one I listened to yesterday, my local, which stimulated my thinking in a lot of ways. Not because um, I think they have like the most awesome teaching and system, belief system or anything. But actually, contrary, they're like close, but they miss elements like the Holy Spirit. And sure enough, Pentecost Sunday, no mention of it. We're going back to Joshua. Joshua. And we're talking about who are you going to obey? Obey me, you know. And then trying to make a connection to Jesus. Well, I'm exaggerating some of the accents and stuff. It's fun. But that's American Christianity for you. <laughs> we actually have a name for it now, right? That's pretty sad. 
American Christianity. Of course, those in the bubble of American Christianity don't recognize it as American Christianity, you know. They just think that God has blessed America with the gospel. <laughs> I'm so sacrilegious this morning. I don't know why. Is it sacrilegious? Snarky? What? I think the world needs to hear that since we're all the ugly Americans, aren't we? The Yanks. The Yanks. So, here we are. I'm corrupted by my German experience. I try to fit in. I try to be German for five years. I'll never be German, but it's interesting. I'll never be Australian. I'll never be English. I'll never be Scottish, Irish. We're uh, products of our environment to some extent. Influenced by our... our, uh, upbringings. Um, I have a, so this podcast is walking the dog and my thoughts, it's usually like my daily thoughts, right? So what's happened in the last 24 hours? Some pretty dramatic events that I just have to deal with. So my mother's 95. (laughs) And uh, recently when I mentioned that to somebody, I said, well, my mother's one of those rare women that had me when she was 60. So I'm only 35 years old, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's not true. That's a lie. But my mom is kind of remarkable, kind of. Well, of course, she's. everyone's remarkable. You are remarkable. We are all remarkable in our way. And different. So on the one hand, um, my mother influenced me. Uh, and well, of course, in several areas. So I would say my mother's an intellectual person. Everything's about knowledge with my mother, probably lacking in emotional connection. And, in, and so my older sister holds that against her in a funny way. I laugh because I'm like, she just doesn't see it. And, you know, isn't that true about all of us? Like there's, we have blind spots, people. We have blind spots. So maybe I think blind spots is a good topic. I'm going to call this podcast the blind spots. So my mother's really smart. She went to Northwestern University in 1947. And women didn't really go to university or college. So she, her, she's influenced by her family. So she had a entrepreneurial type smart dad, Norwegian Helmer. Helmer Ronigan. <laughs> who I had the pleasure of meeting and I have great stories about him when he wrote his book there's my book connection my grandfather wrote a book and it had a bunch of straight lines in it so I've taken the family tradition of book writing <laughs> and I'm being really sarcastic here but uh, my grandfather was an engineer wrote a book on converting metric and English units so like 12 inches is a foot, right? But 2.54 centimeters is one inch. So you multiply that by 12 and you get, it's kind of confusing, right? So 12 times two and a half 
That'd be 24, roughly 30 centimeters is a foot. 30 centimeters. And uh, so, yeah, he's really proud of that book in 1960, maybe 74, I guess. And electronic calculators are just coming out. So I kind of, one of my fondest memories was when my grandfather brought his book over. And he was, you know, it's, there's more to converting, like weights weights and measures, I think the book title was. I still have copies. It's classic for me. I mean, it's personal to me. But it has all it is is straight lines because you, you look up 12 inches on the, the one scale. You go up to the line it's drawn and then read across to how many centimeters it is, right? It's as simple as that. Weights and measures. And I pulled out this electronic calculator and I said, hey, Grandpa, I, I can do conversions on my calculator. <laughs> and, and let me show you a little, I must have been 12 or 13 years old. And he looked at that and he just had this look on his face like, wow. I just, I just wasted my time creating this book. But he was retired, so it didn't quite matter too much. But yeah, so my family, I, that's, I'm influenced by my family. Now, did that, what kind of influence? I guess it got me kind of curious into engineering things. Um, and maybe I shouldn't have followed that path, you know? But I did anyway. I'm making, trying to make the best out of it. But Helmer was not just an engineer either. He was a salesman. So that's the connection. I thought, it's, you, know, you know, you can be an engineer, but it, it doesn't limit you to anything. I mean, there's probably 90% or so of the engineers are a certain way. But uh, they don't all stay in engineering. You may go to engineering school and learn a bunch of stuff. And I think it's a great education because not only is it critical thinking, it's kind of like fact-based stuff. You look at, it's like science. I mean, you can't um, just make up science, right? Like we just had this rocket ship go up, SpaceX, Elon Musk. There's thousands of people that contribute to that, maybe even hundreds of thousands for all the components that go in there. All the, even the electronics I learned about. It's all important stuff. And talk about faith. The astronauts, you know, they get applauded for being heroes. And I their I think their biggest contribution is just their risk taking and faithfulness or trust in other people. I mean, you stick your body in this rock on this rocket and you you really turning your your life over to other people and trusting that all the analysis and all the preparation and all the testing is going to result in a very heavy chunk of metal burning lots of fuel getting in space. So blind spots, I'm, before I divert too much from blind spots, and my mother and sister and influence on me. So well, my mom fell. That's what happens when you're 95. And that happened, I believe, today's Monday, so it must have been, is it Monday? Yeah, Monday, it probably was Saturday. She fell, and she told me the story on the phone that uh, 
there was three women in the, she's in a retirement. It's not really a retirement, it's assisted living place. Morning. Morning. And um, so there was two other older women apparently. And they, one started to fall. My mom reached out to help. And then a third one fell. And she went down like on her, she thought on her hip. Turns out it was her sacrum. So she fractured that. She's in a lot of pain. They took her to the hospital yesterday. Coronavirus. You can't go see her. Um, she's she's 95. And she's, she's not, uh, she's still been pretty, she's been really sharp mentally. I mean, a lot of people get dementia and lose start losing their mind probably at 70. Here my mom is at like 95 and still... Overall, I'd say she's really sharp, but I mean, she is. And the nurse says, well, she doesn't know what day it is. She knows what month it is. Well, hey, it's May. It was May 30th, 31st. I mean, if you know it's May, that's pretty good. So I don't, I mean, I don't even know what day it is sometimes. So now it's June 1st, see? So so it wasn't a criticism. It was just check. She is kind of loopy about stuff and she doesn't like being in the hospital. Like, who does? So she'll probably get out today and have to go to back to her assisted living. And they have a health center there. So it's just more like a, a hospital type situation for a couple weeks. Plus quarantine now because she went to the hospital. She was out in public. She was around nurses and doctors. So she'll have to go for two weeks. Be isolated a little bit anyway. And fortunately, this, this, this assisted living place has like a thousand people there, old people. And they haven't had a single uh, coronavirus situation, death. So uh, when this, hopefully this thing will be all over. They, they, uh, they've been amazingly successful at doing something. Most of it is just isolation. So congratulations to those folks. So blind spots. So my mother's not the most emotional, affectionate woman, right? So do I get upset about that or do I just accept it as is, right? So, you know, it's not easy to accept it, but she's 95. So she's not going to change, right? So that reminds me of my sister who not real happy with my mom quite often. And I don't think my sister recognizes that, well, it's just because that's the way my mom is. She's very smart, intelligent. So her strengths are in analytical thinking and studying and reading. And she's not mean. I mean, she's, she's, she tries hard to be, she's a very polite person. She doesn't, she's never, um, Really, I don't think I've ever heard a word of her complaining about somebody else. So there's something to applaud about. I mean, I don't think my mom's ever said, well, oh, so-and-so did this. or I don't think my mom gossiped at all. I mean, I just have to think really hard. So, you know, so there's an admirable characteristic of my mom. And But what what's she missing? She's missing affectionate, being an emotionally affectionate mother. So that's why I, that influenced me. I'm kind of a jerk. I don't have an emotional, affectionate connection. I'd like, I would like to have emotional, affectionate connection. 
but I, I don't know how to do it. It wasn't modeled for me. I didn't experience it. I mean, my dad was probably a little bit better at it, but I mean, that's just not a typical role for a dad. And for some it is maybe, but so anyways, I, and you're a child, when you're a child growing up, you, you, you got, we don't get born into this world with all these concepts of affection, intellectualism and stuff. We just have to deal with what comes at us and make adjustments. Or I don't even know what's adjustments. It's, it's what influences us. And eventually, it brings out our strengths. So one of the biggest, my mother had this huge challenge in life. And uh, probably more than many mothers experience. One is her own mother was quite a character who uh, I got to, to meet and witness in action. So many funny stories about my my mother's mother, but so she influenced my, my mom too. Of course she would, right? And just flows down. And my sister's like, she got so many fights with with my uh, grandma, our grandmother, and I'm the youngest, and my sister's six. This sister's six years older than me. So my whole life, I kind of filtered my life through my sister that was six years older. Because I'm the youngest, I'm the baby, I'm the entertainer. I'm like, hey man, just goof around, joke around. Everything's gonna work out because I'm the youngest, and everybody else is older than me. So what you know? How, you, how can you expect me to, you know, do anything? I'm just the youngest, right? But you wouldn't know that because we all look at people. Now I'm an adult. I'm walking around. I'm walking my dog. No, you can't tell me. You can't look at somebody and goes, oh, they're firstborn or they're lastborn. Or you don't know all the influences on me, right? And, you know, many of them are good. Some are bad. So let's take, you know, we could... We don't want to just ignore the bad ones, but, you know, there's certain strengths that come to us from our, our backgrounds. So, I mean, I can tell stories and stories about my grandmother and then my mother. And, and yet the, probably the most influential on me is not so much my grandmother. It's like an indirect influence because the way my grandmother influenced my mother. But then I had a sister that's eight years old. And a brother 10 years older. So I'm like, kind of like in a weird situation. And then on top of it, my eight-year-older sister, when she was like, she's always was a bit strange, I found out from a very distant cousin, that even when this eight-year-older sister was only two or three, the family recognized that there was some kind of issue with her. Uh, just kind of a little bit different kind of behavior. I, and obviously I wasn't even born yet. I didn't exist, right? This, this eight-year-older sister is already two and three, and people in the family are getting concerned about her behavior and so forth and all that to say that by the time she was 10, 11, 12, 13, and I'm only two, three, and four years old, she's being diagnosed with um, paranoid schizophrenia, right? And so that turned into a huge, huge stressor for my mom and dad and the family. 
And since if you're growing up with it, you just you, you kind of have to like I'm just gonna have to deal with this thing, right? So um, we just got to deal with it, and so that's how my mom's behavior was. So my mom carried the brunt of it because that was her daughter, right? So her daughter had this got in the '60s and '70s. It just it just wasn't helpful the whole time. My mom had to deal with it. And, and for me, my response was to try to deny it too. I mean, what was modeled for me was denying the situation. And even though my sister was eight years older and more than likely nobody in the neighborhood knew about the situation, at least my age, right? Because it wasn't like my sister was a year older than me, which is the case for my six-year-older sister. She had to deal with it more because she was only two grade levels below these things happening. But essentially, I grew up not wanting, you know, keep the, you know, the awkward questions like, oh, tell me about your family. Right? So immediately an innocent question like that was a stressful situation. Tell me about your family because I don't want to talk about it paranoid schizophrenia i didn't want to talk about didn't want to talk about going to mental institutions on sunday afternoons in chicago and seeing you know hundreds of people that have mental illness and i'm like 12 13 years old it's like this is not fun (laughs) and i was the one i was because i'm the youngest my older brother, who's normal, and nobody's really normal, right? So, and my older sister, they were in college or beyond, and so I was the only one home. So when my mom and dad wanted to drive and visit this sister who was mentally ill and dealing with a very challenging situation, um, I was the one who went, got to go along. It wasn't exactly the most fun thing to do. But I, you know, I didn't have much of a choice. So I did it. Did I resent it? Probably. Did it cause tension between the family? Yeah. Did my mom and dad deal with the whole thing very well? Probably not. (laughs) But but now at this point in my life, it takes years to process some of these things, right? Especially, I mean, if you have, and so that, you know, and that's why I kind of, it's like I, everything I see is filtered through this experience, right? So there's, and then beginning back to the church, you know, so many pastors, leaders, they they don't have those experiences growing up. So they don't understand someone like me who might be questioning or challenging or, or thinking like, well, Maybe that works when mom and dad don't have a lot of stress in their family and everything's working fine, you know, and all the kids are quote unquote normal and, you know, a lot of the teaching then works just fine. So, gee, what's wrong with you? You don't, you can't fit into this and, and do it the way we do it. No, I can't do it the way you do it because my life experience is different. 
And I'm not telling you to do it the way I do it. I'm just telling you my circumstances are different. So I have to, not that I have to, it's, it's, I'm trying to find the gift. What's the gift in all this tragedy, right? What's this, or as this German guy said during his experience in, as a Jew surviving the camps, he's like, well, what's my attitude towards unavoidable suffering, right? So I had unavoidable suffering in this family. And as a child, that's pretty difficult to process that. I mean, that what I, I mean, I just was in denial. So, and I can see that carrying through to my life today. I just diminish, um, diminish emotional events. So my youngest son at two years old is diagnosed with leukemia. I'm like, okay. We'll deal with it, you know. He's he doesn't have schizophrenia, so so I diminish it. Morning. Hey, how you doing? Long way from Duke University, man. Yeah, been a long time. Long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What What'd you do? Did you move out here after right after Duke, or you've been around the world, or what? No. Do you... <laughs> I'll tell you the story. Uh, I got this. Bookstore. Yeah. And I tell people I played college basketball. I went to Duke, but I sat on the bench. Okay. And all of that is true. Yeah. However, uh, I went, the only time I've been to Duke was about 15 years ago. And uh, as a college basketball fan, I wanted to see both North Carolina and Duke Stadium. Okay. So we went to both. And they didn't let us in to see the stadium in North Carolina, but one of the students uh, let us get in. Okay. And uh, then we drove eight miles up to Duke, and huh. we got we asked the guy if we could go in the Cameron Indoor and see the stadium. Yeah. And he said, oh, sure, I'll go, he said, I'll go in and turn the lights on for you. Okay. So he went in, and he turned the lights on for us, and we held the whole place to ourselves. Yeah. And I went over, and my wife took my picture at Center Court. <laughs> And then I went over and I sat on the Duke bench. Okay. And uh, so we tell people, and this is a true statement, I played right. basketball when I was in college. Okay. Uh, I went to Duke and I sat on the bench. Right. And all of just that not, not at the same time. Yeah, right? all of that is true. <laughs> it's all true. It just took place like 20 years apart. It, it's all true, but your assumption is wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, did you train as a lawyer then? No. <laughs> Because <laughs> well, that, well, because you're you're making a te you're making true statements in court, and you're letting the jury like make their own assumptions, right? <laughs> no, I'm a real estate broker. Okay. I sell houses for a living. Okay. But many years ago, we were in uh, Massachusetts, and we went to Harvard. Okay. We walked all over the campus, and we went into the Harvard bookstore. Yeah. And there was a shirt that I really wanted to buy. It said Harvard Law School on it. Okay. I wanted to buy it and then take it whenever I went on a listing appointment, people would think that I went to Harvard Law School. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I didn't buy it. I thought that's a little misleading. <laughs> <laughs> Mis we're everybody, we're all misleading everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
So you come here every morning? I don't because uh, my mother-in-law lives here at uh, one of the homes. Oh, we just live a block over there. She lives on, is it Carmel, I think, up there. Oh, way up there. She's a German woman. That's She's Maggie. Short German woman, about 80 years old. Okay. She uh, was born in 1940, so to a German mother. So her mother was, she's the youngest, her mother was pregnant, and Hitler decides to invade Poland. So that must have been a pretty tough pregnancy. You know? yeah. yeah. It's like, I don't mind having kids, but I don't want Hitler to start World War II. Yeah, yeah. So where are you from? I'm from Chicago. Where? Deerfield. I'm from Aurora. Aurora down there, okay. Yeah, a long so, time ago I was... Uh, so as long as you... It sounds like you like basketball. So my college basketball story is my dad. He's from Green Bay. went to Northwestern University in 1941. World War II again. He went in the Marine Corps, came back in 47 to finish at Northwestern with a basketball scholarship. So he played with uh, Otto Graham at Northwestern. So I got a picture of Otto Graham is mostly known for his Hall of Fame quarterback career at Cleveland Browns. But he started out as a two-sport athlete at Northwestern as basketball and football. So uh, that, and then my mother was going to Northwestern from a different, you know, yeah. So that's how that, I'm a product of those two. <laughs> but my, yeah, my, my dad's Irish, a little bit of Danish out of Green Bay. And my mom, my mom's Norwegian Swedish out of, out of uh, Minnesota. Okay. So how about Aurora? So what are you Irish or something? Or what are you guys? I don't know what I am. My dad was, uh, my name, last name is Smith. Smith, it might be English or something, yeah, right? Smith, but, uh, we think that the original name was Smith or Smith. Oh, it could be German then, yeah. German. Yeah. My wife's relatives, uh, her last name was Charles. Okay. And uh, when, uh, we think that, well, we know that her side of the family was Croatian. Croatia, okay. I used to work in downtown Chicago. Is that right? Yeah. We moved here in 1974. Oh, great time, yeah. Um, this which part of here? Where do we live? Yeah, I mean, when you came in '74. Oh, when we came in '74, we lived in Scottsdale. Scottsdale, yeah, okay. Uh, but not long. We've been in the Southeast Valley, Tempe, Mesa, Gilbert, Chandler, all those years. Wow. Yeah. So you've seen amazing growth. Huh. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, we were here before they put the 60 freeway in. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> we've seen a lot. Of did you, do you do mostly residential home real estate? Yeah, not, yeah, but there was, you didn't, you didn't buy 600 acres in Gilbert back in 78. No, <laughs> I wish I had. no we, yeah. we sold over a thousand houses over the years. Okay. And, uh, I can still remember that when we first moved here, there was a house up on, um, our company had the listing on it. I, I went into the business. 74. And uh, I almost, I really wanted to buy it. It was a four bedroom up on the, I don't know if you know Scottsdale at all. It was in yeah. Scottsdale on Shea, off Shea Bowl. Shea, okay. Uh, four bedroom, 2,200 square feet with a pool and a tennis court on an acre. Okay. But I didn't buy it because it was $72,000. Oh, yeah. 
my payment would have been over 500 a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But now it's See, acre. Now it's worth about 900,000. Yeah. Matter of fact, I sold the house to a couple up there for about $90,000 back in the mid-70s. And that house is now worth about 800000 Yeah, amazing. So they're still there. Oh, okay. After all these years. That's great. I wish I had more real estate success. I'm hanging in there, but, you know. <laughs> What's the name of your realty? Is it? Uh, Dan Smith Realty. Dan Smith? It's just my wife. Okay, you don't have like a broker with, you're not licensed broker with a bunch of like 10 or 20 agents? No, I've been a broker for uh, uh, 44 years. And just, you know, you don't, your your ambition wasn't to get a, all these agents working for you? I don't want, I want to be responsible for myself and nobody else. Yeah. I don't want other people out there making mistakes that I have to <laughs> So there's, so there's pluses and minuses of having a, like 20 agents working for you, right? Yeah, if they're making money, you could do well. But then you got mistakes, huh? I'm just I'm a detailed person, and I don't like wondering what other, what people that I'm responsible for are out there doing. Yeah. It really would bother me. So what was the name? Ray? Dan. Dan. Dan Smith. Okay, cool. Nice to meet you, Dan. And uh, where's your mother? What's the address? It's uh twenty. Is it twenty three? Does that make sense? Twenty three forty. Does four. Oh, forty three twenty. I bet it's forty three twenty or forty two thirty or forty two thirty. I I just go there if I sight right. It's um part P A R T. She P A R T. She's about this tall with white hair. She walks a lot with weights around and uh she goes to the gym over here uh yeah she'll be walking early in the morning for almost an hour and uh but if you go to, down the street to the t you know it tees into carmel okay and it's about oh five or five houses down on the right there's a so it, it must be 42 30. 42 30 okay because i'm on this, see this house on the corner? The corner one? Yeah. Go one more block. Same same corner, one more block is my house. And, okay, and that's 40? Golfing. Golfing is 40 something? What is it? 4266. So she's four or five houses out. 4230. Yeah. Okay. And what is your name? Michael Ward. Yeah. Good All right. to meet you. Yeah. I'm getting ready. I always come here and sit and look at my emails. Yeah. And then I get going, I walk all the way around the park and then go back. Good exercise. I just had a hip replacement in January. Just one? Yeah, just one. First one? You don't want to do another one? That's right. <laughs> well, my mother's over at Friendship Village. You probably know that place, right? Oh, yeah. She's 95, and hey, she just fell and broke her sacrum, and she's in Danner Desert, Desert right now. Who's that? My mother. She's 95, yeah. That's my my wife's mother. Oh, she's only okay. she's only eighty. Come on, she's young. <laughs> oh, well, I'm seventy-seven. <laughs> but my mom's ninety-five over here. But with the virus, I can't go see her anyway. So. Yeah. How long are you here for? Today's the last day. You're gone. Yeah, we're 
we're uh, we're renting our house out on VRBO. I'm, I we live out in Ahwatukee. Oh, yeah. So, in fact, 29th Avenue, way out there. Since you're in real estate, you might know it, but you know, 29th Avenue is way out by the new freeway. You get off at 17th Avenue, and yeah, but even further, right? Yeah. So. Have you? Okay. So the we put it up on VRBO. It's 4,300 square feet. Wow. 4,300. And uh, two-story, built in 2007. I back up to South Mountain. So it sounds like I got a nice... It's a nice piece of property. So people will pay me. They they We just started doing it because um, a neighbor does it. 500 bucks a night, you know? Sleeps 10, so I got two families in there right now. Oh, so you own it. I own it, but I don't own it because the mortgage owns it, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a mortgage on it, so but I'm getting some cash on it. So we're going to go up to Sholo, though, because the 80-year-old is getting tired of us being around. <laughs> we asked her, to, to she, you know, we'll take her up to Sholo, too. Because I got a friend that we we can stay at his cabin up there. Up there today. Yeah. Oh, good. yeah. I I'm trying to get her to come with us, but she I think she wants some be by herself. She's tired of us. That's a pretty good drive. <laughs> a couple hours, yeah, it'd be pretty, I guess. Yeah. 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 All right. Okay. See you later. Bye right. bye. Wow, there we go. So that was a little uh, talking to strangers part of the podcast. And I got to get off the phone now. I got another call. It's six, going to be six in the morning. I got to check in with my book launch. Blind spots, people. We all got them. I'm not very affectionate. I don't connect emotionally. I'm in my head. But uh, so I have to tell myself to love everyone always. I need to repeat that. Some people just do it and have it in them. I have to intellectually go, Michael, you got to remember, love everyone always. So that's me. So that was Ray. We, I don't know if you heard him very well sitting on the bench there. Come on, bud. Um, talking about real estate, basketball, Duke, North Carolina. That's all American cultural stuff. And uh, there you go. So shout out to South Africa, Australia, Germany, wherever you are. It's all about the Holy Spirit. Grace and mercy and peace to you all. Amen.